You're listening to the Jerry and Jacoby podcast, Success Without Sacrifice, a podcast by two entrepreneurs at different stages of life, sharing real life experiences, managing a successful business and family life. It's honest talk about lessons learned, balancing family, faith, business, and personal growth on the journey of making our dreams a reality. Now, here are your hosts, Jerry and Jacoby. Hey, everyone. I want to welcome you to the Jerry and Jacoby podcast, Success Without Sacrifice. I'm Jacoby with my good friend and co-host, Jerry. In every episode, we're bringing you honest conversations about what truly matters and how to create success without sacrificing the things you love the most. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about something that I absolutely love. I got a couple of things that I love talking about, but this one topic here is one of my absolute favorites, and it is the topic of investing. Mostly going to be about real estate investing, but investing in general is a mindset. And so uh, investments and investing and the mindset behind investing. And so I'm ready to get into this one. Yes, I love investing as well. And so as somebody who kind of started over in their mid 40s after going bankrupt and closing up the heating and cooling business and basically wiped out uh, any of our investment accounts. Um, So in my mid forties, started at zero real estate investing is the, I think that the best tool that I can use to catch me back up and get ready for retirement. And there's a ton of different ways to do real estate investing, but that's what I love. I love the opportunity that real estate investing gives. And as a plug uh, coming up, And our next episode, uh, as long as his schedule holds tight, we are interviewing Kent Clothier uh, of Real Estate Worldwide. And that is kind of where my whole journey in real estate investing was at one of his events. And so really looking forward to talking to him. And that's kind of what spurred this conversation. I wanted you to kind of see kind of on the everyday kind of uh, ordinary, quote unquote, guy, what they think about investing and how they're using it in their day-to-day and that's us. Yeah. Real estate investing. That's actually how I got into real estate. So whenever I got into real estate, that is how I, um, I got into real estate is through real estate investing. So actually a realtor now, but whenever I got out of the military, I knew I, uh, wanted to make more money is really all I wanted to do. And then I found this thing called passive income. And when I got into, I started reading about passive income. I was like, Oh man, immediately my mind thought about like, how can I make the most money per hour? Like that was my thing. How do I make the most money per hour? And I was like, okay. And it was all about active, active income, active income. And then I learned about passive income and I was like, oh, you can make money while you sleep. You can make money like mailbox money. What is this? And so So, that is what directed me down to the real estate game. I don't know the answer to this. So I'm just going to throw, I'm going to ask, and, um, because I think they, I think I know the answer, but what, uh, how did you get started in that? What made you start looking at passive income or mailbox money? What was it? Yeah. So whenever you get out of the military, when you separate, it's called separating when you get out before you retire, when you don't actually retire from the military, they, they have these classes, they're called transition assistance. It's the transition assistance program tap in the military. And they do all these classes to get you ready for civilian life. And there was one guy who did a class. He did the class on your financial IQ. 
Okay. And, and then, uh, and so I didn't know anything about money at that time. I didn't care about it. It was just me and my wife. And I made, we made like, when you're just you and your wife, you have like a surplus of cash everywhere you go. Cause <laughs> you literally have no needs or anything. So we had just gotten married or we had been married for like four years or so. And so he talked about your financial IQ and that's where I got introduced to Robert Kiyosaki. Ding, ding, then, ding, 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 ding. That's yeah. the one right there. That's the answer I was looking for. And then he mentioned rich dad, poor dad. And then when I read rich dad, poor dad, that like wrecked my life. I was like, oh my goodness. Like, what is this? The cash flow quadrant. That the cash flow quadrant. And so that that is what ran me down the the road of passive income. And then I found uh, Pat Flynn. I don't know if you know who Pat Flynn is, but he had the smart passive income blog back then. Now he's like blown up. But this was like right when he had like first started. And so I actually looked into like blogging and starting a blog and a website and all that stuff. And then, you know, I got down to, I started researching and I found out every person who has a significant amount of wealth has real estate in their portfolio. And that is the one endeavor that the average human being, the average person, like you don't, if you get creative, you can do whatever to get into real estate. Right. And so I started looking down the road. You get on YouTube, you go down the black hole of YouTube, which I'm getting pretty good at researching stuff on YouTube. I can find anything on YouTube now. There's so many videos on there. I can find the truth on YouTube. And so I went down and I was like, man, you can buy a house with no money, little or no money down. Like you can buy a house without any of your own money. And I was like, man, I don't have any money. I definitely don't have enough money to buy a house because what's the first thing you think of when you're like, Oh, I want to buy a house. Like if you're thinking about buying a house, you need money. This, you need money, right? Yep. And this is like what we're talking about. I mean, even in the last couple of weeks with our uh, in our interviews and all that, like you don't need the how, right? The first thing you go to is the how. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, man, I don't have $150,000. I don't have $200,000. Where am I going to get $200,000? So then immediately I go to, how do you buy a house with no money? <laughs> and I was like, that is not true. There's no way it's a scam. And then I found like some people online on YouTube and I, I like emailed those people. I emailed them. I texted them. I called them. And I was just, my, my first question, whenever I want to try something out, even when I joined EXP, I'm like, Hey, is this legit? And then I wait for their answer. And then they'll either say yes or no. And then depending on how they answer that question, I feel as though I've got enough like discretion where I can figure out if what they're saying is true or not. And so that's how I got into real estate. Like I no money down, buy a house without your own cash. That's how I started. And that is how I started. Actually, you're how I started. And then I didn't, I didn't know anything about real estate investing. Uh, I was a realtor, um, been a realtor. I had been a realtor for probably five years and I knew people invested and any of the investors that I worked with all had money, right? They were buying houses for cash or, you know, they were putting 50% down and getting a loan. And so I didn't know anything. And then you invited me at a point that uh, really couldn't have made an event or a trip go, you know, with my cash at the time. And you invited me to a Kent Clothier event, find and, the Find and Flip Summit in 2018 in Phoenix. And you said, you said, hey, I got an extra VIP ticket. And you can crash at my in-laws. All you got to do is get out here. $276 later, which is funny that I remember how much that flight was. 
$276 flight on American Airlines, and I was there. And in the first day of the event, Kent got up and did his intro speech. And this, this story will probably come up again next week. But he said two things that stuck out to me. He said that 50% of the houses in America are sold off market. And the second thing he said, he defined this thing called wholesaling. And I remember walking out to the lobby on the first break and I'm like, all right, what is this wholesaling thing? And at that, that is the moment, like my whole real estate world changed and uh, I've done some things to change some things around. And uh, I've been probably 30% of uh, my business is on the investment side and it's just made me a better investor and it's made me better agent for investors. Yeah. It's pretty crazy how just information for one, I can, will say just will change your life. So like getting in the right room with the right people, getting the right information, I guess I shouldn't say it would change your life. Taking action on that information will change your life, but getting access to the right information, which everybody has access to the right information now because of the world we live in, which is pretty crazy. The world is so small now, but that information you know, can change, can change your life. And it literally did the same thing for me. So I got started with fortune builders, which is, um, Dan Merrill and Paul, Paul, Asajan and, and those guys, uh, back in 2012, 2011, I think time frame is when I, when I start hooked up with them and they did had you buy program. one of those big ticket products. I did buy one of those big yeah. ticket products. Yeah. They had, they had a program. It was $30,000. Yeah. It was pretty wild. So they had this pro they had like a thing that it was on, uh, on the radio. I think they're like, come to the, this hotel for this one day event. We're going to teach you how to flip houses. And I went and then uh, at that event, they were like, hey, we're selling you this three-day event in Lubbock, Texas. And so me and a buddy of mine went to Lubbock for a three-day event. And then at that three-day event, they were like, hey, we've got a $30,000 program. And I'm like, I don't have $30,000. But they're like, you can put it on these credit cards. And so they like teach you how to do the whole thing. It's a really awesome process when you look at it. And um it's kind of crazy. You can do things however you want, you know, but from that, 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 that coaching and that training was so foundational to my, even my real estate, how I do real estate right now. It was really interesting. I remember, I think it was like the second night I uh, was talking to Andrea on the phone. I was in the hotel and then she had spoken to some of our friends and they were like, uh, you just can't find investment prop. They're like, you can't find investment properties in our area. And the information that I was learning, I was, they were telling me that these properties were everywhere. They're basically, you just have to know how to find them. And so when that whole dynamic of knowing like there are opportunities out there, you just have to know how to find the opportunities. And most of the people that I speak with that want to invest in real estate, what they called it at that event, they called it gambling. And so what most people do is they buy a property and they pray and hope that it appreciates. And they call that, they call that gambling. But what they were doing is they had ways and they were proven and they had people up there telling how they were doing it. And I got to talk to them. They're like, no, we're finding these houses at a discount. People are actually basically giving their houses away 
and they're appreciative, appreciate us providing them this service, which was absolutely crazy to me because I had never heard of that. And, uh, you know, now it's so common and I'm in those worlds, like it's almost silly to hear someone say, you know, you can't find an investment property now because I, I know what it is and how to do it. You and I both know how to do that, but that's where the value is. And that's where that information, when you have the right information, you know, it changes everything. Yeah. The one part about the real estate investing that I, that I like so much is for me with the skill set that I have between like retail sales and investment, like, I don't know that there's a good or a bad market. People always say, oh, is it a good market? Or like, it's just the market, right? And whatever the market's doing is what I need to figure out. And uh, so it definitely expanded the skill set. That's for sure. Yeah, 100%. So there there usually is never a good or bad, you know, it's always like it is what it is. And the question is, what are you going to do with what you've got? You know, but I think the key point to get back to like investing, what is actually investing, right? And so when I think of investing, I think if it's real estate or anything else is you have something and you add value to that, right? And you know that you're going to get a return on that investment or on the money that you put in or on the product that you put out. And so the way I would describe it is, especially in real estate terms, is like I find a property you find a property and you have to buy the property or you have to buy whatever the object that you're buying below market value. You have to buy the item or the thing below market value. And then once you buy that product, you have to do something to that product to add value to the product. And then when you, once you've added that value, there's going to be, you know, it's going to be worth more than when you purchased it for. And so usually what I do is I always describe it like with a $100,000 house, right? If I have a house that is worth $100,000 and I want to make uh, whatever I want to make on that, let's say I want to make $20,000 on that $100,000 house, I have to buy the house at $80,000. I have to buy it at $80,000 because I've already put my profit in there. I have to profit first. I put my profit in there. And then whatever it's going to cost for me to fix the property, let's say it's going to be another 20,000 to fix it. So I take my $20,000 profit out. That's 80,000. I take my $20,000 to fix it up. That's 60,000. I have to offer $60,000 for that house. And then let's say, uh, let's say whenever I sell it, I can sell it for 120. Let's say it appreciates a little bit when I sell it. So now I've got like some icing on top of the cake, right? That's that appreciation factor that everybody normally uses whenever they're thinking about investing. And so we, as a real investor, you use that as your icing on top of the cake, but you put your profit in originally, right? And so those are, that's like the concept of investing. You have to know you're already going to get a profit when you buy the actual asset. Yeah. So that's the, um, that's the formula. It's real close to the formula that a lot of people use Mayo maximum allowable offer. What is it that you, you know, what's the maximum that you can pay for that property? And that's a formula that um, I'm always uh, quizzing Cooper on Cooper's my 15 year old. And uh, with this, I don't care what you do in life uh, as a profession, but you need to figure out how to invest in real estate. And so I'm always having these conversations with him and maximum allowable effort or offer is 
uh, how I look at it is you take that $100,000 house and you multiply it by 0.7. And so that's your profit, right? You're automatically taking your profit out and then you're subtracting from that amount what you need to put into the house. And so let's say the house needs 20,000. So taking the, you know, multiplying by 0.7, that leaves me at 70,000. Uh, the house is going to take 20,000 to fix up. And that tells me I can pay $50,000 for that property. That's just a rule of thumb industry standard. If you're doing any kind of podcasting or any listening to any investors, Mayo will come up. They'll talk about that all the time. And I remember when I first started hearing Mayo, like I had no idea what it was. Yeah, I don't hear much about mayo down here in Texas. No, mayo, mayo is what I put on a sandwich. Exactly. Well, that's <laughs> what I thought. And uh, but it seems like all these uh, like programs and YouTube videos and like that always seems to come up. And it's a good rule of thumb on making sure that you, you know, it's it's the same philosophy that you just talked about. It all comes down to can I buy the property correctly? And that's where I see a lot of investors make mistakes is on their purchase. Uh, when they bought the property, they just, um, they either did like what you said, where you use that appreciation as icing on the cake. Some people bake that, you know, that's part of their decision. I think I can sell it for that much, but if they don't, then they get, if they can't sell it for that much, then they paid too much for the property when they bought it. And the buy-in is the, I think that's the, you know, the best skill set you can have is on how to buy properties when it comes to investing. Yeah. Well, the, the, and the, what's the key phrase or cliche that everybody says, right? You make your money when you buy, buy it. And that's what that means. That means you have to make an offer you know, that's, that's, that allows your profit that your profit has already been accounted for. And so that's what that means when they say you make your money in real estate, whenever you purchase the property. And when you understand that concept, then that totally makes sense. Right. Because if I buy a property, you know, let's, let's just do the fuzzy math again. Let's do the armchair quarterback math again. Right. Let's say I buy a property, let's say, um, you know, hundred thousand is always the easiest. Right. So we'll say a hundred thousand dollar property. And, you know, I know I need to buy it at 60,000, but let's say I can get it at 40,000. Well, if I can get that property at $40,000, now let's say something comes up in my life where I'm like, Oh, you know what? I actually am not, you know, I got hit by a bus and, and my legs broken and, uh, you know, I'm in a hospital bed and I can't do any work and I can't use the computer or whatever. Now I actually just need to sell this property. Well, now you've got options now because you bought it at such a good price, right? So originally you were maybe going to make 20, you know, let's say you're going to make 30, 40, $50,000 on this house, but now you're like, okay, I got to sell it now. And I can only make 15 grand on it. Well, you know, you still made money because you just sold, you bought it and just sold it. Right. And so that's kind of the key is like, you make your money when you buy, you give, you give yourself options when you buy. But if I buy that property at 80,000 and I was going to, you know, now I don't have that option. Now I don't have that luxury. I can't sell it. And now everything probably, if I get tight on my numbers, everything has to be perfect whenever I rehab. And if you've ever rehabbed a house, if you're listening to this, Jerry can attest to this because he's done it. If you've ever rehabbed a house, how often does the rehab go exactly the way you planned it? Never. Never. I've literally, actually, I've probably had one time, one time when I've done that, but I didn't do a full rehab. I literally, I bought the house, I cleaned it out, and then I sold it. That is the only time 
a sale has gone exactly the way I planned it. Well, see, was, is that the house though? So here's the thing. Did it go exactly out as you planned it? Was that the house that when you showed up to it, somebody else thought they owned it? No, that was okay. That <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's a good story too, though. Yeah. But my point is, is like, you know, whenever you come up and that house, actually, after I bought that one, that house had bed bugs in it. I didn't even know that. <laughs> so it's like every time like you peel back the wall, like, you know, cause there's stuff covered up or whatever else, you know, you start taking sheetrock down and you figure out there are termites and you've got to, you know, replace studs or whatever. There is always, always, every time you, you remodel a house, there will be something that comes up that you did not expect. Or when you go to sell the house, there'll be something that'll come up that you do not expect. You have longer hold time, you know, your buyer, something happens with your buyer, they go out and buy a boat, you know, you got to put it back on the market. Something always happens in real a pandemic, a pandemic. I held on to the pandemic. So, <laughs> you know, so, so yeah. my, but my point there is, is like, you make your money when you buy. So you have to buy with enough cushion to where it's like, Hey, you know, when stuff happens, it is, you know, it kind of is what it is, you know? And so that's kind of my point. All great stuff, but I kind of want to, I want to bring it back around in when I look at investing, when, when I'm talking about real estate investing, I'm mainly looking at there's, you know, there's three kind of categories and then there's subcategories to those. And there is the, the flipping, you know, buy a house, renovate it, sell it. There's the buy and hold where I'm going to buy the house and hold it as a rental. And when you and I first met, um, you had seven or eight rentals at the time. And then the third one is wholesaling. That's where if, uh, if Jacoby's selling a house, I'm going to go to Jacoby and say, I want to, um, I'm going to get that house under contract. I'm telling Jacoby that he can get, you know, say $50,000 for that house. I get it under contract for 50,000. I then, instead of buying the house from Jacoby, I'm going to sell that contract to someone else uh, and make a little bit of money the contract, and then that person's going to buy it from Jacoby, and that's wholesaling. Uh, and that happens. That's um, man, it's over the last price since two or since 2018. It's uh, pretty crazy how the wholesaling coaching world and uh, how many wholesalers are out there that didn't exist before. So to me, those are the three main categories of investing in real estate. And some people would even argue that wholesaling is not investing, but I work with investors in that world. So I lump it in. And then inside of that, you know, there's all kinds of different things you can do with real estate. And to me, that's one of the funnest parts about real estate is there's a, a million different ways you can do real estate. Yeah. And I would say just from an investing mindset, uh, wholesaling is, is actually a skill that if you want to become an investor, wholesaling is something that you should just know in general. And all wholesaling is, is, it's just arbitrage, right? So you're you're finding a product. It could be any product. You find a product and you have to buy it at a discount, which is what we've been talking about this whole time. If you if you are an investor, you have to be good at finding products at a discount. And so there's a there's two terms here, right? We have wholesale and you have retail. Well, as a realtor, normally I help, you know, most of the time I'm helping people buy houses that they're going to live in. And th those are retail, retail, sale, retail purchases. Most of the time on the MLS, you're going to find a house that is being sold at retail. And what that means is it's being sold close to its market value. Whatever the market value of that house is, 
that's what you're buying it at. And so, you know, you have to be able to buy something at a wholesale price and then mark it up and sell it at a retail price. That's what an investor does. The same way, you know, JCPenney or Buckle or whoever else, all of these companies that you see, they buy these clothes or they make the clothes at a certain price and then they mark it up and then they sell it to you, right? And so that's what an investor does. That's what a great business owner, business uh, minded person actually does. And so if, if you come out of anything from this episode, I would say that would be the most important thing that you can come out of this episode with as far as investing goes is that you have to buy, you make your money when you buy, you have to buy at a discount. You have to be able to mark something up and then sell it. And so that can be anything, you know, we're, we're in the real estate space and uh, you know, that's how, that's how that works in in real estate. But uh, you have to be able to buy at a discount, buy something for a lower price and then sell it at a higher price. Yeah. And that goes for all of flipping, buying holds and wholesaling. Flipping, buying holds and wholesaling. That is exactly right. You have to, it all comes down to the buy. And it's all about the numbers, right? Everything is about the numbers. Everything is a math equation. And the, the cool thing is, is like in real estate, you, especially if you are, when you're investing in real estate, you want to, normally you want to find air either like an area that you know is up and coming or you know really well, or if you don't have any knowledge and you're just starting out, you want to find a place that has a lot of transactions. And the reason why you want to find a place that has a lot of transactions is number one, it has a lot of data and real estate, residential real estate is sold on comparable sales. What that means is, is that it's not, it's not the value of your house (laughs) that actually tells the price. It's the value of every other house that has sold that looks like your house in square footage size, amenities, and all of that, right? And so you should already know, pretty much know what you can get for a house whenever you are, uh, whenever you're buying it, because you can run the comps, you know, that's the first thing, you know, an investor wants is they want comps, they want data, which, you know, you get that data, which is partly why I became a real estate agent. I couldn't get realtors to give me comps and data on properties, partly because I wasn't buying any, I was just getting data on homes and not buying any, (laughs) but uh, you need that information so you can know what you can sell it for. Right. And so the past, and then you have to get good at predicting what the future is going to be. Yeah. So we're, uh, we kind of broke down the, you know, how to, not how to get into investing, but kind of what investing is the different kinds of investing. What is it? uh, What else do you want to be able to get across to our people when it comes to investing. I think that's mainly it because that was the, that was the biggest thing for me is that if you want to become a great investor, you've got to be able to set, you know, find trends. The other thing I'll say is now that I am actually, you know, I have this investing mindset, I think the way I look at markets and different things as well. So, you know, we got to, obviously we were with EXP. And so, you know, the stock of EXP is always like a big topic of conversation. You know, we, 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 you get stock for, for selling homes and doing things that you would already do anyway. But, um, you know, now my mindset is, is when the stock, when stock goes down or when something goes down, 
I don't actually get scared anymore. Now I'm like, what's the opportunity in that? You know, that's how an investor looks at something is like, because everything has a cycle, right? What goes up must come down. Usually what goes down is going to go back up. And it usually like once it, when it goes back up, it usually rebounds farther than when it was down. Right. And so what I look at now is I'm like, man, when something goes down, is there an opportunity for me to make a purchase and catch this when it goes back up? You know, that's the other thing that I'm looking at, you know, so normally, and I have to fight this now because I'm, you know, this is now a change in my mindset, but you start to see things going up. And so you're like, oh, I'm going to ride this wave up. Well, you know, the opportunity for to ride that wave is being in the valley whenever it starts. Right. And so that would be the other, the other concept that I would want to get through is like when things get bad, like those are the opportunities, you know, and, it, and it's a hard thing to fight because here's what most people say, especially as a, when in the, as a, when I'm a realtor, right. People. So we're talking about like the market now and the market's pretty hot. And so people are like, Oh, well, I'm just going to wait until the market slows down a little bit. Well, you know, when the market slows down is when times are bad. So it's like, you either better have a stomach for being able to purchase when times are bad, which most people don't, or you just need to buy now, you know, that's if you're, that's if you're on the retail side, but if you're an investor, you need the time to buy is when things are bad, you know, posturing when things are bad. Yeah. I think uh, so many investors look back like in 2008, nine and 10, and just, you know, they were so nervous then um, that they didn't buy and they definitely regret it because uh, the real estate market has definitely rebounded from those years. That's for sure. And it all happened again, right? It always happens again. People that the problem is, is that we always forget as people. And then, in the low times, which you have to be preparing now for those low times. So in the low times, your, your situation is going to be different and you always look back. So here in, in Midland in the eighties, there was a huge, like oil, like crashed or whatever, you know, in the eighties and everybody who who's been in the oil industry for a long time talks about it. So I just know that was a hard time. I think it was like right before I was born, I just know that was a hard time because if you talk to anyone in Midland, Texas or in the Permian Basin area and you talk about the 80s, they are going to talk about when oil was like nothing. They were like, man, we were here one day, we were making all this money. And then they go the next day, they were literally, the phrase is like laying down rigs in the grass is basically what they were saying. And so, you know, everybody here, like you talk to an old guy, they'll be like, Make sure you're putting some money away. Make sure you're putting some money away because you never know. You just never know when it's going to crash. And so uh, I talked to a guy, an investor. It was him and his brother. And uh, he had me come and look at one of his houses. And he told me about that time. And he was like, man, we were buying, we were buying like whole city blocks, he said, for like $20,000. Like whole blocks yeah. of street, like for 20 grand. And so he was basically, he was like, man, because nobody was buying. Right. And, yep. and he was like, people thought we were crazy for buying stuff at that time. And I actually know, I actually ran into, you know, just putting things together. I ran into his brother's, I think it was his granddaughter because this guy had so many properties. He's just like, he just was giving them to his grandkids and stuff. And so she is selling some of the properties that her grandfather bought 
from like way back in the day that they purchased for like, you know, $20,000, who knows what each house cost. And he was just like, I think his house was going to be sold for like 180 or something. And he just couldn't believe it because he, he didn't do any more real estate after that. He was like, I cannot believe what this house is worth now because man, we were buying them for 20,000 for a whole block. And so that's kind of the point is like, man, like if you bought houses when, when oil crashed in Midland, Texas, you'd be, you'd be set right now. But the problem is, is nobody can afford or only very few people will find a way to buy houses in a crash. Well, man, I could go on and on and on. I could talk investing real estate for hours, but we won't do that to you today. Um, but I do recommend if you had not read any of Robert Kiyosaki stuff to at least read, uh, I mean, Rich Dad, Poor Dad's his most popular one. But if uh, you if you're only going to read one thing, the cla- the cash flow quadrant is really powerful. It breaks it down on how um, most your real estate investors are going to look at money and look at the market and really look at passive income. Uh, that is a big big resource. Almost every investor I know uh, will tie back to that. Um, and then. Fortune Builders is somebody that Jacoby mentioned. Um, if you've got any questions on that, I'd reach out to Jacoby. Don't go signing up for, there's ways to get into investing without signing in up for a $35,000 program these days. And if you just want to talk investing in Texas or in Michigan, or just want to in general talk investing, Jacoby and I are always open to have those conversations. Uh, reach out to us. The best way to get a hold of us is through our Facebook group. Um, you know, go ahead and post the question there. You can message us uh, either way. Um, but that is, you know, we'll, we'll talk investing to anybody at any time you want. So please, please reach out to us. We really appreciate you guys listening today. If you can, go ahead and take a couple minutes and go and give us a five-star written review where you're listening to your podcast. That always helps us with the algorithm. And as always, we truly appreciate you listening and look forward to catching you on the next one. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Jerry and Jacoby podcast. If you walked away with something of value, we hope you'll share it with a friend. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast so you get notification of all new episodes.